turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 35, and we're going to be reading verses 3 through 10, Isaiah 35, 3 through 10. We've been talking to you about our theme for the year, God is making a way. This morning we're going to be talking about God is making a way, and it's a way of holiness. God's making a way for you, and when you see the sign for holiness, you'll know that you're on the right track. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 says this, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come, and he'll come with vengeance, with divine retribution, and he will come to save you. Someone should say amen there. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer. And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where the jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. And it will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They'll enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and mourning will flee away. Father God, I pray that the anointing of your Holy Spirit would descend upon the ears of your people. Give them ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would speak to them today. Thank you for your word. May it be life to those who hear it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the midst of the prophet Isaiah speaking about divine judgment upon the nations are found these encouraging words that we just read. He says, tell the tired. Is anyone here tired today? He says, tell the weary. Tell the fearful ones. Be strong. Do not be afraid. Why? Because your God will come. And he will come, as the Bible says, with vengeance, with divine retribution. In other words, your God will come, he will settle all scores, and he will save you, he will rescue you. Aren't you glad that the Lord has come and saved you today? Now keep in mind that this is a prophetic word written to a specific group of people, but it also has application with us as well. When we talk about him coming to save you, you may think back to a time and you may think, well, it was 1972 for some of you. For some of you, it was 1997 that he came to save you. For some of you, you may look back at a time 15 years ago or 20 years ago when you say that the Lord came to save you. 
When I think about that, I thought back to when I was 15 or 16 years old. Surely that's when he came to save me. But friend, he came for me and he came for you long before that day that's in your mind. Do you mean, Pastor, the times that the Lord convicted me? Ron, how many years has it been? Seven years. God saved Ron right here. But God came for Ron long before that. He came to save him long before that. When was that? Was that whenever Ron told me the story when he was 14 and the people in the church tried to get him up front and get him to give his heart to the Lord? And he said no. He didn't want anything to do with that. Was that when God came? No, it was before that. And you may have that time in your life where you look back and you say, I can see where God was dealing with me. I can see that time, and, and it may be the first time that you remember, and it was a powerful time, and, and you say, well, surely it was then. No, friend, he came for you long before that. My mom always tells me the story of while she was pregnant, and I was in her womb, that God gave her a dream and a vision, and he gave her my name. And, and so surely that's when God came to save me, when I was in my mom's womb, and he spoke to her about me. No, friend, he came to save me and you long before that. 2,000 years ago, the very Son of God left all the glories of heaven and came here to this earth, lived a pure and sinless life, never once failed, never once made a mistake, never once fell short of the glory of God. He lived a pure and sinless life. He gave his life freely as a ransom. The Romans didn't kill him. The religious leaders didn't kill him. He gave his life as a sacrifice, as a ransom for your sin and mine. He came to save us and he knew us thousands of years ago before you were ever born, before you were even a twinkle in your daddy's eye. Before any of that, he came to save and rescue you. We see his plan of salvation, his rescuing his people way back in the Garden of Eden. We can look back into the Garden of Eden and we can see him coming as he came and walked in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve were hiding from him. Why? They had disobeyed because they had gone their own way and done their own thing and partaken of that fruit. And when they did, he promised them that when you do it, you'll die. When you disobey, when you take of that fruit, you'll die. And so they partook of that fruit. And in that moment, what did he do? He came looking for them. And he said, why are you hiding? And he said, because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? And what did he do? In that moment, he takes and he kills an animal and takes the skin and covers their nakedness. So we can see him coming to save us way back in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning of creation, we see that he had a plan of redemption. He had a plan. He had a purpose. So his coming to save you began actually before you were ever born. Isn't that amazing? Before you were ever conceived, before you were ever thought of, he had a purpose and a plan for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. He knew you long before you and I were ever even born. In his foreknowledge, He did that. I want to go back for a moment. When he comes, things begin to happen. In verse 5, it says this. Then will the eyes of the blind be open, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. 
Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I have a little line there. When is the then? When is the then? The then is when he comes. When Jesus comes, everything changes. Listen, when he enters the scene, when he enters your life, when he enters a room, when his presence begins to descend upon us in a sanctuary or a place of worship, then things begin to happen. Do you hear that? When Jesus comes, when he comes into a man's life, when he comes into a woman's life, when he comes into a family, whenever he comes into a room, things begin to change, things begin to take place. The then, as I said, is when he comes. We know that from the scripture... When Jesus came to the earth as a babe and he walked the earth, he began to do the miracles. We know that he opened the eyes of the blind. He opened the ears of the deaf. We know that the lame walked and the dumb spoke. The crazy thing is, in John fourteen twelve, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things Because I'm going to the Father. Now Isaiah goes on to talk about how the Lord will make the dry desert places fruitful. He says that water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where the jackals once lay, Grass, reeds, and papyrus will grow. Where do reeds grow? Do you see too many reeds growing in the desert? No. Reeds grow in like a swamp along a riverbank, okay, where there's plenty of water, a place that's refreshed. And then he says this, and a highway will be there. It'll be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. And he says, no lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They'll enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing or sorrow and mourning will flee away. As I prepare my messages, I know what I'm supposed to speak about, but I don't always know how the Lord will direct my messages. Any of you who ever preached before would understand what I'm talking about. You start to go one direction in the text, and the Word of God kind of leads you another way, and then the Holy Spirit leads you, and you're like, I didn't see that there, Lord. I didn't know that's what you wanted to say to your people, but we want to talk about that. Well, today we're going to talk about the highway. It's called the way of holiness you got to understand the time that they're living in. Before it was unsafe to travel to worship at Jerusalem. There were invading armies. And in America, we've lived in such freedom and safety and security. We have no idea. We have no idea what it would be like to live in a country where there are invading armies. I've read some history recently about during World War II and when the Russians came into Germany and all these 
different things. And when the Germans went into the Soviet Union and all of the horrible abuse that took place, women raped, people murdered, people's homes looted, anything that they had of value was taken. We can't imagine in the secure place that we live in what it would be like. But for the people at this time with invading armies, it really wasn't safe for them to travel. And then whenever there's lawlessness, there's no security. Whenever there's things going on and disorder, even their own people, they couldn't trust. It made it difficult for them to journey. But God said that there would be a highway there. And it would be called the way of holiness. A highway is typically an elevated road. A highway, when you think about them building a highway, remember when they did the cities of refuge. They made a road outside the cities of refuge so that they could get to them. It would be an easy trip for people. It would be an elevated road that would take out the guesswork. A lot of times it would be a straight shot, as it were, there. The Bible says that fools aren't going to travel on this road. And when you travel on this road, you don't have to fear being devoured by wild beasts or destroyed when you travel the way of holiness. You see, the way of holiness has been prepared for the redeemed. Those who travel the way of holiness will arrive at the destination with a song in their heart. The word says that everlasting joy. There'll be an everlasting joy that will crown their heads. The prophet Isaiah said that gladness and joy overtake those who travel the way of holiness. He says that when you're on the way of holiness, sorrow and mourning will flee away. They'll leave you when you're on the way of holiness. How many of you ever travel on I-95 in Northern Virginia? We got some people going up and down 95 heading to Florida on vacation. I don't know about you, but I don't like getting stuck in traffic. I don't care for that. And you notice as you drive down 95, they have those HOV lanes. Do you know what I'm saying? Actually, around the D.C. area, they have gates that come up and lights And at certain times of the day, that middle road, that HOV lane, will either head north or south. You guys know what I'm saying? And now with Easy Pass, they charge you. So there's a cost for some to travel on those lanes. I like it when you get in the HOV lane, when everybody else is all backed up. You know what I mean? Doesn't that make you feel good? When everybody else is backed up and they're sitting... There's something that feels really good when you pull into that lane and you're going to say, man, I just passed 3,000 cars. When you're on those HOV lanes or those easy pass lanes, you're just cruising. You're able to get to your destination quicker. It's less stress. It's less hassle. This is sweet. This is wonderful. I'm so glad they made this lane just for me. Well, can I tell you something? There's some people in the spiritual realm You're stuck in the mundane. You're being delayed spiritually. There's breakthroughs that aren't coming your way because you have failed to hop onto the highway of holiness. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to receive from the Lord, if you want a breakthrough, if you want to walk in power, then you need to get on the highway of holiness. When you walk in carnality and you walk after your flesh, let me ask you, how's that going for you? 
You tell me. You don't have to say it out loud, but how's it going? When you do your own thing, how's your spiritual progression? When you do your own thing, how many times does the enemy abuse you and take advantage of you and devour you? How many times does he have access to your life? The thing is, sometimes you're going so fast that, you know, someone tried to carjack you. There's no way they could carjack you. Pow, you're just flying down through there. They could come out with anything. It wouldn't matter because you're moving on. And in the kingdom of God, God has called us to a higher level of living. Not in the mundane. He's called us to get above the fray. He's called us to come above and come out from certain things that will drag you down and that will destroy you and that will slow you up and entangle your feet and legs and trip you up. He wants to bring you to a higher level in him where you walk in obedience and holiness before the Lord. Let me just encourage you this. You were designed by God. You were created by him to travel on a highway of holiness. You were created by him to be holy. The word of God says that there's a way of holiness and it's for the redeemed. If you're not redeemed, the way of holiness isn't for you. There's a wide, broad road that's leading to destruction for you. I'm sorry, but that's the road that you're choosing. But if you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, Am I talking to anybody who the blood of Jesus was shed upon Calvary and by faith you put your trust? Listen to me. You didn't put your trust in your own righteousness. You put your faith in your trust. You said, Jesus, I will believe that you have paid the price for all of my sins. I believe that you loved me, that you died for me, and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior, and I want you to rule over my life. If that's you today, then you have been set apart for God. You are actually holy. You're holy. There's an aspect of holiness in which you are set apart from ordinary and mundane, and you're set apart for a higher purpose, for a higher calling. A milk truck, a milk tanker, what does it carry? No, we have these other green tankers that you see following trucks around here, especially in the spring. Does anyone know the ones that I'm talking about? These green tankers, and they pull them through the fields. Wouldn't it be crazy? You start a milk hauling business. You're like, hey, well, we're kind of backed up here in this one department of the farm. Can we just borrow some of the milk tankers, take them and fill them up? No, you would never possibly ever do that. You would never do that. That's kind of like whenever you and I allow ourselves to get entangled with some of the things of the world. You weren't created for it. You were not designed for that. You are precious and dearly loved. You are created by God to live above, not beneath. You're created by God to be set apart. We don't hear this much anymore. Come out from among them to be separate. We're to come out from among them and be holy, okay? Touch not the unclean thing. There's some places that you should not be because you've been set apart for God. You don't belong there. I don't know how many of you keep the toilet bowl brush in your kitchen sink. That's not where it belongs, okay? You don't belong in certain places, 
You don't belong watching certain things. You don't belong engaged in certain things. Why? Because you are holy and you are set apart for God. Hebrews 12 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So without holiness, I won't see God. But praise God, Jesus opened up a way for us. The word describes it as a new and living way that he opened up through his blood. Now we have direct access to God. Not only do we have access to God, but here's the reality. You are a habitation for God's spirit to live. Why do you need to be holy? Because God's spirit lives inside of you. John 14, 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My father will love him. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Colossians 1, 25, I have become its servant by the commission of God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Friend, God lives inside of you. If you are born again, God comes and he literally makes his home inside of you and me. The word says that you're holy because you've been set apart to be a home for God's spirit. A place where his spirit lives and dwells and abides. Can you imagine that? All of the power in the universe lives and abides inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. This is such an incredible truth. The one who simply spoke the word and all the worlds came into order lives inside of you. He's inside of you. He lives there. That's where he abides. He makes his home inside of you. You're holy Because as I said, you've been set apart for God's purposes. You're holy because the Holy Spirit came and made his home inside of you on the day you were born again. Do you know something changed inside of you? He took a heart that was a heart of stone and he gave a heart of flesh. It was a heart transplant. You're holy because you've been set apart for God. You're holy because God's spirit lives inside of you. You're also holy because whatever God touches becomes holy. Remember, the angels told Moses to take off his shoes. For he was standing on what? Holy ground. Why? Why was the ground holy? Because God's presence was there. The Bible calls the tithe holy because it's been set apart unto the Lord. The tabernacle in the wilderness, it was holy. The temple was holy. Articles used in worship were holy. Can you imagine the holy of holies where God's presence dwelt? Well, you should be able to imagine that. Because that same spirit that dwelt in the tabernacle, that same spirit that dwelt in the temple, now abides 
in the hearts and in the lives of men and women. Our spirits need to be awakened and we need to be aware of what really resides inside of us. We can imagine what it had been like to be at the temple or to be at the tabernacle or to see the Ark of the Covenant. But you're that living tabernacle. You're that living temple in whom God's spirit dwells. We can say, wow, can you imagine what it had been like to see the temple? How holy the tabernacle was. Or the articles that were used there. But friend, they cannot compare. They cannot compare to the living temples that have been formed not by human hands, but by God himself. Those articles of the temple, the very temple itself, can't compare. Those items that have been purchased with gold and silver, they cannot compare to the living temples that have been purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb. 1 Peter 2 says, but you're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you might show forth the praises of Him who's called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Friends, you've been set apart for God. Look at the person next to you. Tell them you're not ordinary. You've been saying, I've been wanting to tell them that. Now look up and say, you're extraordinary. Friend, listen to me. You are a habitation. You're a habitation for the Spirit of God. Unfortunately, some people fail to realize that. And so they live like they're common. They live like they're ordinary. They live below their calling. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And he says, do you not know? Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? Whom you receive from God. Listen to me. You're not your own. You don't belong to yourself. You've been bought at a price. Therefore, because of that, honor God with your bodies. Friends, you've been set apart for God. We talk about a way of holiness. You have been set apart for God. So the challenge for us is, Lord, let me live like that. I'm not ordinary. I want to say it to you again. He came to rescue you. You're tired, you're weary. Knees are shaking, you're fearful. Don't be afraid because he came to rescue you. You're remembering the times that your mama prayed for you. You're remembering the times that someone interceded for you or someone stood in the gap for you. But he came for you, came for you thousands of years ago. And his purpose and his plan is that this, that there would be a flowing of his spirit that he would bring you to another level in the things of the Spirit, that he would be able to trust you with the gifts, that he'd be able to trust you with the anointing, that he'd be able to trust you with his provision, that he'd be able to trust you with the glories of all the riches of heaven, that he'd be able to trust you. He has all of that in store for you and I. And he says, just live up to the calling. Just live set apart for me. You're already holy, friends. If you're born again, The blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. 
You've been purchased with his blood. So this is what he's done. He's taken you and he set you apart. He said, you're mine. He put his seal on you. He said, you belong to me. And his spirit comes and it lives inside of you. Quit taking what is glorious and magnificent and fabulous, far beyond what you can imagine. Quit taking it and trying to bring it down because you try to bring it back down to where you were and he keeps picking you back up and you try to bring it down and he keeps lifting you back up because you've been seated with Christ already in heavenly places. And so the challenge for us is to live in the way that we already are. You belong to him. You're his. Don't ever forget who you are, who you belong to, and what you are, because he's made you holy. If we'll just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, and you just say, Pastor Steve, I'm anything but holy. (laughs) But I sense God calling me. It amazes me that he selected me. I feel him calling me and drawing me to him. I just want to respond to him and give him my life today. If that's you, can you just raise your hand? I want to pray. How about some of you? You know you've been set apart, but you feel like you, why do I get back in there? Why do I go back? Why do I keep allowing myself to be pulled down? And you just say, Pastor, I I just want to recommit my life to living and being fully devoted to the Lord. There might be some area, it doesn't really matter what it is. God knows that. But there might be some area of your life that you say, Pastor, this is the, I just struggle with this part of my life. It may be pride or selfishness or bitterness or whatever. It It doesn't matter. But there's something that kind of stands between me and God. And I just want to surrender that to him today. Let me just see your hand. I'm going to pray with you. See, there's sometimes an acknowledgement of that that causes us. All right. Others? Yep. Well, we're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my friend who raised their hand to commit their life to you. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed upon the cross 2,000 years ago. I thank you that you came to rescue me. I thank you that you came to deliver me. I thank you that you came to set us free. And the word declares that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so, Lord, we receive right now, for my friend, we receive that freedom, we receive that liberty, we receive that forgiveness and that grace. And now, Lord, for my friends who raised their hands, and I want to yield myself in an even greater way to the Holy Spirit. There's some places that kind of, on occasion, they block me. They hinder me. I get my feet caught. They entangle my feet. They trip me up and they slow me down. And I know God's got great things for me. I don't want to be slowed down. I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to be in a traffic jam. I don't want to be delayed. I want what God has for me. For those friends, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would pour out of your spirit, that you would open up that way of holiness that they would deny themselves and turn away and they would come out, that they would come out. I pray you give them the power to come out from those things of this world and leave them behind and never look back, Lord. Father, I pray that you would lead them in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah.